Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. That time of the week, indeed. Fizz Radio right here on the Score 1260. Jonathan Hoppy with Tim Leonard. We've been here all summer long, and that continues today. The final show of June. Just a moment ago, Tim, we were talking about the first show of June. Here's the final show of June, and there's been plenty to talk about with football recruiting especially. It's been a busy summer, and of course now we get this bombshell this week with the FanDuel win total over under, which... I mean, how can we not start there? Yeah, this I think has we're going to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it was obviously for the Syracuse Central New York area a huge talking point, but I think nationwide people were puzzled as FanDuel released their win total, and it comes out it opens at five wins for a Syracuse team that won 10 games last Count year. One, two, <laughs> three, four, That's five. That's not even a bowl game. Five wins. I mean, the amount of disrespect, and I know we've touched on other FanDuel lines on this show. They released some early game lines where they were, I think, 10-point dogs at NC State, even two-point dogs at home to Pittsburgh. The Clemson line was 20 points, something like that. So there's been some disrespect from FanDuel, but this, I mean— We've got experts saying this is the best bet in college football nationwide is the over on Syracuse when it opened at five wins. This is Fizz Radio, and we're so glad you're joining us, however you're finding us, whether it's live on the Score 1260 here in Central New York or if it's the podcast version of the show, no commercials. If you're listening live and want to go find it later, check us out. Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, pretty much every place in between. Just search Orange Fizz. We post all of our content there. And if you want to check out our written content, that's orangefizz.net or theorangefizz.com. That's something that uh, maybe we don't plug enough, but a new URL for those of you who like to stick to those commercial <laughs> addresses. But you're right, Tim. It's all about that win total. And later on in the show, we'll touch up on recruiting, as we always do, talk about those new jerseys, sort of go through this schedule and maybe find those five wins that Vegas thinks Syracuse is going to get. It's hard to find in my eyes. And, and it's not even Vegas. We should clarify that. It's FanDuel. Yeah. Now, FanDuel, first off, it's illegal in New York. Yeah. So... Maybe I'm half kidding when I say this, but there is a part of me that thinks FanDuel just intentionally made some bad lines here so that people downloaded their app. Is that possible? Like, is that well? A, it certainly seems like if that was the plan, it's working yeah. because you've actually gotten some text about that. Yes, from people that are like hardly Syracuse football fans, hardly not not sports gamblers, not people that you would expect to be gambling on sports, are all of a sudden texting me and saying. How do I bet on this? What do I do? And obviously, it has risen now. It started at five wins. Now it's up to, I think, six and a half at last check. But like you said, you can't even bet if you're in New York. So I guess if you were going to pick a team for a conspiracy to drop the number and create some intrigue, you probably wouldn't want to pick a team that you can't even bet on. But maybe that's what they wanted because they're not taking in the liability. I I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out an answer to why FanDuel sat down because Some of these other over-unders in the ACC, they seem fine. They don't seem that far off. But then you get to Syracuse, and you see five wins, and you're like, did they just forget about last year? Did they just think this is 2018? Did they forget that Dino Babers is the coach? Did they not know who Tommy DeVito is? There's so many questions, and I— 
I just don't know how they got to this number, and maybe they just want to create some intrigue here because people are downloading their app and people are putting in money, and a lot of people are putting in the money and then realizing, oh, it's New York. That's actually illegal. New Jersey, it's legal. In other places, it's legal. But right now, New York, you can't bet on FanDuel. Now, this tells me one thing. It tells me that the nation is still uncomfortable with Syracuse being a good team. Not even a great team, but just a good team. When you come out with five wins, and now we should also say that there are other sites out there, other more known sites out in Vegas, the more traditional sites that have higher numbers. And that five-win total has risen. It's It's gone up steadily yeah. in the past couple of days. Yeah, so I get that argument. And I think if, you know, once I originally saw, like, the tweet that was going around and I hadn't even seen the number of win total yet. And someone said, a lot of people are just tweeting, this is a great bet, like disrespect for Syracuse. I thought, man, what did they put this number at? Seven, six and a half. You look at Virginia and the same FanDuel site. I think Virginia and Syracuse have a lot of Pretty parallels right now. They've been Obviously, saying that all summer. Yeah, different sides of the division, but new upstart coaches and so forth. And Virginia, sure, maybe they should be projected to have a little more wins than Syracuse in these sites, but they're at six and a half, and I think that might even be low for Virginia. So there is an example of FanDuel giving a little maybe hesitancy to crown a Virginia that is kind of an upstart program and not leaning into a team unless they have that brand recognition, but they put them at six and a half. So if you put Virginia at six and a half, based on the same theory You should drop Syracuse low, but low in my eyes is six and a half for Syracuse. That's low. Like five is just downright disrespectful. Here's the difference between the teams. Bryce Perkins returns as the Virginia quarterback, throws the ball well. He can run the ball too. Dual threat, the kind of player you like in college football. People know him. People know who Bryce Perkins is. No one knows Tommy DeVito. So that got me thinking, right? Is that true though? I mean, I hear you. I don't think anyone does. No. I mean, even last year when Syracuse was on the rise, it was Eric Dungy. Right. You didn't know who this other quarterback was because, frankly, when they beat North Carolina, it still was Syracuse hadn't won after the bye, and there were still a ton of questions, and that looked rough. But that was his sort of coming out party. Well, the nation didn't care until after that game. Yeah. I would say, from a national perspective, fans, if you were to ask some random person in Oklahoma, why did Syracuse football have a great season last year? They'd probably say, oh, that's right. They had Eric Dungy. Like, isn't that quarterback, like dual threat guy? He's pretty good. Right. And no person in Oklahoma would have known. So you're right. I mean, that is, that's the big difference. Bryce Perkins is coming back and we already sort of know, like we know the book on him, but DeVito, I mean, it's not like you're just inserting some random guy like North Carolina is with a freshman that you have no idea about. DeVito has played and he's proven himself a little bit at least. Let's talk about Tommy DeVito. Who is this guy? Because I think that's really going to be the key to Syracuse's season. And clearly Vegas thinks that. FanDuel has their concerns and you want to pinpoint that one thing. Who knows what they were looking at, but I think all of us here in Syracuse that followed last season very heavily have followed the Tommy DeVito recruitment process, are high on the guy, and here's my opinion. He came in last year. He didn't wow you, per se. He wasn't like a guy, sure, the North Carolina game, he looked really good, but he wasn't a guy But that, even that game, he almost threw a pick that 
what it cost them the game. You remember that play? Right. And it's like— Well, he did have an interception. Right, he did. I mean, and not to cut you off, but there's still—it's a roller coaster with him, even from what we got from last year. But it does feel like if you were either in or out in today's hot take culture, you yeah. had to be on one you side You had to be on other. one side. Well, what side do you want? I mean, I'm in on him. Right, I think, I think see, most are in. It seems like in. people are in— here in this area, and I don't know if that's just because they don't they want to ignore the fact that there is a quarterback change, and they want to point to what this guy has done and his whole you know yeah you know highly rated recruit and all right. that stuff. But I'm cautiously optimistic. Now I, that probably isn't going to satisfy people. They want one end of the spectrum or the other. Right. But that's, you just took the middle. Right. <laughs> I'll take the get, middle. Get out of here. <laughs> but let's look at some of these stats against Florida State. Eleven for sixteen, a touchdown. 144 yards. Let's go through his good games first. North Carolina, double overtime win, 11 for 19, 181 yards. 14 of 31 against Notre Dame, did throw two interceptions. That was rough. You know, that was sort of an outlier for the entire team. He got sacked six times. Six sacks for him, quarterback rating 4.2. Not even his lowest of the year, though. He came in against UConn and was just one for four. NC State, two of three, but obviously that was Dungy's game and the whole breakout after the UNC yeah, performance. Yeah, that was weird. He got that one drive at the end of the first half. Very odd, game. but he did throw two picks against Notre Dame, one pick against UNC, three touchdowns against the Heels, and one touchdown against Florida State. So sort of a mixed bag, I guess, like yeah, you're talking about. Yeah, the Western about. Michigan numbers, he wasn't great in that game either, right? Yeah. Well, that was obviously his first game, and that's when— the hype was pretty high there. Like, all right, he was what four a, for nine, forty-two yeah. yards. Uh, you know, one for five against Wagner. So, nothing certainly, and two sacks. I mean, he's gotten sacked a decent amount. Those but, numbers don't wow you, though. No, to the, your point. But he's a backup quarterback. Yeah, but he's a backup quarterback. And even what he did against UNC, him, he almost threw two hundred yards, and he came in late in the game. Yeah, if you're buying in on him, it's because you're saying. I saw what he did against UNC, and I saw his four-star ratings in an 89 on 24-7 sports and all that. Well, here's the thing, though. I'm not necessarily completely buying what he's done because, like I said, he's a backup quarterback. It wasn't his system, blah, blah, blah. But here's why I'm buying, because he never looked bad. You can come in as a backup and just not look good if you come off the bench. I don't know, though. He never. Which game did you think he looked? He was bad pretty in? shaky in Western Michigan and Notre Dame. Okay, so his first game ever, and then Notre Dame, where the whole team got freight trained. Yeah, but like you can't. I mean, if if you have to pick good or bad, he looked bad in Notre Dame and bad in West Virginia. Who looked good against Notre Dame? <laughs> I mean, that doesn't take away from the quarterback's the most important player on the field. That doesn't take well, away. Well, if you're from, not getting any blocks, you get just because the rest of the team times. struggled doesn't mean that we can just give him a pass too. He still went 14 for 31. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's like alarming what he did against Notre Dame, but I don't think we can sit up here and say he's only been good. I mean, there were sp- there were spots where you're like, ooh, that was a bad decision-making. I mean, it's a, it was his first year. I'm not saying it's exactly. bad. You but... never looked and you were like, wow, this guy, I think he's going to have some problems. No, I, I never really... Normal growing pains for a first-year quarterback. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Okay. No panic when this guy has come into the game, and that's why I think it's going to translate this season. Yeah, I mean, I'm high on him. I'm not, you know, don't let this fool you. I obviously like him, and I think it's weird that if that is why FanDuel said 
All right, Syracuse, five wins because there's an unknown at quarterback. Well, why does NC State have seven and a half wins as their over-under? They're losing Ryan Finley, pretty similar skill level quarterback to Eric Dungy. Obviously, a guy that has dominated their style of offense and really predicated what they're doing down there in Raleigh. So I just don't get really how FanDuel got to this number. And I think that's a consensus take across America right now. And it's baffling that it came out at five wins. But if if you're going to do the quarterback thing and say there's question marks, I mean, who is NC State's quarterback this year? I don't even know who Matt it is. Matt McKay, most likely. Right. So... It's not right. You know, they have a huge hole to fill there and a bigger hole they in my eyes. They just have more respect as a program. They've got a little bit better recruits. Dave Doran's pretty far along. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of things that the national audience, a sports book like FanDuel, going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Right. I mean, you can make a case that this is good for Syracuse. It's more ammo. Adds more fuel to the fire. Maybe Dino can spin this and... And, you know, use it as kind of fuel for these guys because five wins is just disrespectful. I mean, you can't really say it enough. That's that's three wins lower than probably what I would have put it at. All right, let's take a break. On the other side, we'll talk recruiting. Who's going to back up Tommy DeVito this year? That's a big question. So Syracuse has to look to the future and grab a quarterback. A couple of guys on the radar. Also, Josh Elawa. he's a guy we spoke to, 2020 offensive line, defensive line, could play some tight end as well. He's announcing in mid-July. We'll get the latest from him on the other side of this break and then dive into the rest of the 2020 class. It's Fizz Radio right here on the Score 1260. Back on Fizz Radio, Jonathan Hoppy joined by one of the newest recruits for Syracuse football, Josh Elawa. He just came to Syracuse this weekend, and now he's on Fizz Radio to talk about his visit. Josh, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for making the time, man. We're just curious. How'd your weekend visit go? My, my visit went great this weekend. I got a chance to meet the coaching staff. They really gave me a family feel and how the coaches at Syracuse what are those camps like, Josh, when you show up to Syracuse? What's the weekend like? Are you mainly showing what you can do on the field? Are you taking visits around the university, talking to coaches? What's it like? Well, talking to the players, it gave me a real feel how to how they connect and bond with each other. What did you think of how those players got along with each other? Oh, I, I like that. It, 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 it reminds me of family, like how we got here in high school. How would you describe yourself as a player just so the people here in Central New York can get familiar with what your game is like? Well, I'm very athletic, versatile. I can play all positions on both sides of the line. So you mentioned that versatility. Do you have a favorite position at all, or is it just wherever the coach wants you to play? Wherever you put me, I'm going to go 100%. Joshy Lawa from Mallard Creek High School in Charlotte, North Carolina, originally from Washington, moved down to the south deals with that humidity, would not have to deal with that as much up here in Syracuse. Josh, do you have a timetable at all for what your commitment is going to be like? I'm committing right when I come back from Seattle trip, so around July 16th. And have you narrowed down to a few schools here? Yes, sir. Would you mind telling us those? Well, right now, Syracuse is at the top. In Syracuse, James Madison, Hawaii, those And you mentioned the SU coaches earlier, Josh. What was Dino Babers like, and what was this staff like 
going into its fourth year has obviously picked up some momentum. What kind of things did they say that got your attention? Well, it's like not even what they said. It's like how they interact with each other on the field. Like everybody's having fun and everybody's buying in. And I like that. And I, I wouldn't mind being part of the coaches. Did you get an idea of maybe where you where you would fit in here in Syracuse, especially considering that versatility? Well, we had a thought. I might play like some tight end, but offensive guard is where I'm primarily at right now. Gotcha. And have you seen the new uniforms? If so, what do you think of them? You know, the new uniforms? Oh, I really like, love them. What do you I like about them? I, I like the stripes on the helmet as well. The more traditional colors. That's Josh Elawa. A lot to talk about with him as he closes in on committing somewhere. He's out on the West Coast right now, as he just told us, but soon he's going to go back to North Carolina, evaluate his options, and pick a school. And right now, Tim, it really sounds like that will be Syracuse. You feel good about it. I mean, July 16th is kind of that date that he circled, so we'll keep an eye out on it for around that time. But he seemed to love the visit. He loves the new uniforms. And when you just compare Syracuse and their program, where it's at right now, to other teams that he mentioned at the end there, a Colorado State. I know he's got an offer from James Madison, recently got one from Hawaii, ECU he mentioned, and that's a little closer down south near Charlotte. So there's pros there for him. But, I mean, they don't have anything compared to what Syracuse has going for them in terms of ACC school with 10 wins last year. And it feels like he had a good relationship with the coaching staff. So I'm optimistic that that's a guy that they can wrap up. And they haven't had a ton of action Offensive line-wise, Garth Barkley's a 2020 commit, but you'd like to get some more offensive linemen. It's always good to have some depth at that spot. This is a time where things start to slow down for Syracuse, and they put it all in the hands of the recruits, the dead period, if you will. So these guys now, keep in mind, they've got their senior seasons left. Josh plays down at Mallard Creek in Charlotte. That's a good school down there, and he's got a big senior season ahead of him. So he wants to sort of get his ducks in a row before that season starts, before preseason camp really kicks up. That's kind of the case with all these guys right now. Yeah, I mean, it was a rush in the past week right before this dead period, and even a lot of Syracuse targets committed elsewhere, and they lost out on some players, but you went out on seven recruits in the past week. So now... You know, you shift gears to what's next after this dead period. And when you look ahead, quarterback's kind of a position that's still a little unknown right now in my eyes. They don't have a 2020 commit. There's been recently some guys visiting. Obviously, you have Tommy DeVito, but he's not going to be there forever. And when you look at the backup quarterback spot right now, Clayton Welch is a senior that's graduating. Rex Culpepper is an upperclassman. He's not going to be there forever. And you have David Summers, who you got last year as a freshman, but you'd probably like to get a quarterback in this 2020 class. Now, this is something that Stephen Bailey of Syracuse.com has pointed out. He's a friend of the show. He's been on Orange Fizz Radio before. And Stephen was talking about, sure, Tommy DeVito is the big question mark, but then quarterback health, that's pretty much. Quarterback depth, that's pretty much the next big thing because you talk about guys like Welch, Summers, Culpepper. There's not a lot of experience there. So if Tommy DeVito, God forbid, gets hurt, you do have some issues. Absolutely. I mean, you'd like to wrap up a commit from this 2020 cycle because quarterback's the future of this team. If you don't have a good quarterback, and I think that's why Tommy DeVito was such a big recruit for the direction this football program is heading, 
because you have that quarterback that can slide in and kind of fill the shoes you'd expect of Eric Dungy at least a little bit. And sure, there might be some growing pains for him this year, like we talked about, but if you don't have a quarterback, I mean, it's kind of like in the NFL, if you don't have a quarterback, you can't win the Super Bowl. If you don't have a quarterback in college football, you're just going to be mediocre at best. You're not going to get to that 9-10 win mark. And these days, they've got to be good at throwing in the pocket, especially at the highest level of college football. We're seeing that firsthand. You look at Kelly Bryant for Clemson. Couldn't really get it done, so they go to Trevor Lawrence. That's working out pretty well for him. Different style, And he'll be here in September, as everybody knows. It's more of a traditional style, even with Tua Tungavailoa at Alabama. Those are the two. You go from him to Jalen Hurts, from Hurts to him, Different quarterbacks, and right now the pocket passer is winning. With that in mind, let's look at some of these 2020 prospects. Brett Nazat, he's one of them, an Alabama guy, three-star on 247 Sports. Colleges aren't that impressive that have offered him. Arkansas State, Central Michigan, Eastern Illinois, Georgia State, those kind of schools, but he has said that Syracuse says he's kind of right on the top of their board. That's what he told Stephen Bailey. If you want to look at this guy, Big quarterback, 6'4", 224. That's a a good build. There's a lot to like about this kid. I wonder why he hasn't gotten much attention. It's weird. His ranking, 24-7 sports, 84 or 83.6. I mean, you round that up to 84. He's basically one of the better quarterbacks down south. I mean, that's a pretty solid number. If you round it up to 84, that's kind of around what David Summers was and some of these other Syracuse commits. So to not have, like... I don't know, maybe an ECU or a, a team of that tier after him. I mean, the schools you just listed, Arkansas State, Central Michigan, Eastern Illinois, they're not really going to catch your attention. And he didn't get that Syracuse offer when he visited with the camp, but they said he's at the top of the board, and I think maybe he will get that offer soon. I have a good feeling that if he does get the offer, he'll likely probably pick Syracuse. There's a couple of other guys as well. Christian Valu. Sorry if we're not pronouncing your name yeah, that's properly. A tough one. <laughs> it's a tough name. Buffalo, New York is his hometown. He's actually a 2021 guy, but he's someone that Syracuse has really been pegged to dating back a while now. And he's another big quarterback. So you look at his frame, bit higher of a rating he's someone else to keep an eye on certainly yeah and the big news with him this week and we didn't know for sure what his class was going to be because he was a canadian prospect he's now going to play at canisius high school in buffalo but he announced he is going to reclassify and come out in 2021 so that doesn't mean syracuse is going to stop recruiting the guy this guy but it might mean that they're going to give a nazat an offer now in the 2020 cycle because now you know all right, that guy that was probably at the top of our board in Valu, who everyone loves, and like you said, he has really been, I mean, he's right there. Buffalo now, he's pretty close. He's visited Syracuse. He's been tied to this program for a while, and he's got some big offers. Michigan, Penn State, this is a guy that would be a huge Yeah, a little get. different than Nazat. Yeah. He's kind of like the whole, the story is flipped. I mean, he's got like, even Buffalo, Indiana, certainly Buffalo's not a big name, but Indiana has done pretty well recently. They're yeah, kind of he's trending a Tommy in the right DeVito direction. Type of talent. 90 overall in 24-7 sports. Nazat was an 83.6. So he's a solid four-star prospect that would honestly change the nature of this program if you get a guy like him. You're backing up the DeVito commitment if you were to get him. Now, unfortunately for Syracuse, you're not going to get a commit from him in 2020. But you can still go after him hard and still likely be a front runner for him in 2021. 
Quarterback's a position of worry. I really think it is. Not at the top with Tommy DeVito. I'm pretty much sold on this guy. But down the line, there's not a great backup. The future is uncertain because, remember, Tim, last year with Eric Dungy leading the way, it was sort of like, all right, Dungy, sort of injury prone, but DeVito's ready in the wings if something happens. You don't feel that way this year. And I think a lot of people thought Chance Amy was going to be that guy. Yep. He flipped to Syracuse, and all of a sudden, after one year, he's transferred out. So he was kind of the big guy to come in and step up as the backup. He's not here. I mean, it's kind of eerie or sad to think about, but with one play and one injury to Tommy DeVito this season, it's disaster. You don't have anyone that is, like you said, reliable in the backup spot. Clayton Welch, all due respect to those guys that I listed as the potential backup, that's a severe downgrade. So you got to get some depth Most going upside, forward. you're probably looking at David Summers, but... Right. That's a big learning curve for a guy yeah. who hasn't taken a snap. I exactly. mean, who even knows? And I know the rules have changed there, so that'll probably allow him to redshirt, and they won't have to make that decision initially, and they can wait and see what the status is on DeVito throughout the season, which is nice. But, yeah, I mean, you want to get a guy in this cycle because it's a little stressful right now thinking of life if Tommy DeVito got hurt. But Knowing that it's kind of like that right now, let's make sure next year is not the case. Let's make sure that next year you have a backup that is, okay, it's fine. Like, you know, that's a drop-off like any backup quarterback. But, hey, like, we'll still get to a bowl game. We'll be fine if it were to happen to DeVito early in the season next year. That's the state of recruiting right now at the quarterback position. Will Syracuse grab one of those 2020 guys, maybe Valu in 2021? We'll have to wait and find out. But for now, all the hype is about the upcoming season. Tim and I debate the toughest games on SU's schedule on the other side. We're halfway home. Don't go anywhere. Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Back on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Thanks for joining us this Saturday morning, the final Saturday of June. Next up, it's July, so we won't speak to you before July 4th. Happy 4th. Hopefully you get out on the lake, you get out on the beach. If you travel to the coast, whatever you're doing, enjoy yourself. It's a great time of year, certainly. I can't wait for July 4th. Better time of year? August. That's when football (laughs) starts up. Syracuse football, so much hype this year. I went on orangefizz.net earlier in the week and ranked all 12 games on the regular season schedule, the easiest game at number 12, and the toughest game at number one. So Tim and I are going to debate that. If you want to check it out, head to orangefizz.net, maybe pull that up as you're listening to this so you can come up with your own argument. And of course, if you don't like something that I've put or something we say, tweet at us at orangefizz on Twitter. While you're at it, give us a follow and just tell us how you like the show on Apple Podcast, Orange Fizz Radio. That's every Saturday morning here on the Score 1260. So, Tim, let's get right to it. I think the top is pretty easy. Yeah. The, the, the easiest game on the schedule is, drum roll, Holy, Holy Cross. Cross. <laughs> it's, it might be easier to pick than Clemson being the toughest game, honestly. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that one. If they don't win that game by 40-plus points, then it's probably concerning. So let's just kind of go down the list of what I have, and you tell me when you disagree. Okay. 
And we haven't talked about this, so hopefully Tim doesn't agree with everything I put because that'd be bad radio. Well, that's what you're trying to get at in today's radio. I, I should be screaming at you like Stephen A. Smith, right? Because right? we're, <laughs> we're we're Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless. Sorry, Max Kellerman. But <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah Holy Cross. Pedestal. I said in the article, it's pretty much like Wagner. Just feels right. like that game from last year where. You know, Wagner's just a rollover. All due respect to Holy Cross, I actually used to know somewhat the former athletic director. Like, it's a it's a good school. I hope no one listening is an alma mater there and we're offending them, but, like, it's just a rollover game. Holy Cross is that game where you go on SU Athletics and you buy tickets, and it's like, starting now, $200 a game. Actually, I think they're more affordable than that yeah uh, $25 upper level seats for Clemson Western Michigan if you buy Holy Cross right. <laughs> yeah it's like how plus a free uh, ticket to Holy Cross right it's like how they're trying to like get more people to women's basketball games or stuff that's what it feels like it's right. just like they're they're just like they're gonna we'll give to... you this bundle if you go to holy right. cross get a first row seat to clemson if you buy holy and if you cross. stay for the fourth quarter <laughs> you get a fresh new boat like, that is really interesting how they're doing that at the dome like yeah how nachos basically cost less it is the dome that's doing that right? yeah i think it is nachos cost less in the fourth quarter to get students to stick around but i think it's good i think it's safe to say students will be gone at halftime if they Regardless. if they even go all right next up is liberty now this is where it starts to get interesting that's the season opener so a lot of question marks it's a road game you know does that seem fair to you yeah i mean i think i'd still put it behind western michigan and even louisville because Liberty is, this is their first year in FBS competition, officially, right? right. So, I mean, it's a pretty, well, actually, pretty big I difference. Well, actually, I think they played some games last year. Okay, but... It's, it's confusing. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying. It's not like Louisville, at least, is a conference opponent. Western Michigan, I mean, heck, we know what happened last... You know, we know right. what's happened when they played them. It's been a close game. So, I, I can't really argue Liberty is easier than Western Michigan... Or, sorry, tougher than Western Michigan at this point. What favors Liberty in the game? It's a home game, 6 o'clock start, newly renovated stadium. That's about it. Yeah. And sure, I guess that's kind of Hugh an advantage. Hugh Freeze is kind of cool for them. Maybe bring some Right, hype. cool storyline to He's see Hugh coach. Freeze on the sidelines. Certainly, yeah. you never know what could happen. I, I mean, certainly, they could win or lose any game on this schedule. Excuse me. Western Michigan, I, I had that up next. But just because, you know... The days of the P.J. Fleck, row the boat. I mean, that's pretty much gone when you look at it. I mean, this team, row you know, 55-42 last year. That was the season opener. Tim Lester will be back in the Dome, right? So that's sort of a storyline cool. that everyone will be talking yeah. about. You but, don't want the Scott Schaefer thing to happen. Right, but even now those players are gone. Yeah, you you're know, right, the, you're right. The players of that era are gone. You know, the Scott Schaefer thing was tough, but I don't see that happening. I put that as number 10. I and, agree. And then you got Louisville. To me, that's the easiest conference game. Yeah, and I think you have to put it ahead of Western Michigan for sure, just because— It's a late-season road game. That's got to count for something. Yeah, it's on the road, and who knows? I mean— it's late in the season with the first-year head coach that maybe just brings some new life, and maybe they're that that sleeper team this year. So you've got to factor that in. If it's late in the season, they've got time to mature too. Duke is a similar game. Those were back-to-back weeks. So that, to me, is really interesting because that's November football, two straight weeks on the road, two pretty you know reasonable opponents, Louisville and Duke. 
Yeah, I think I think putting Duke. So you have Duke eight, Boston College seven. You have Pittsburgh six, BC and Pitt are at home. So you can maybe make the case that Duke is a little bit tougher than maybe a Pittsburgh or a BC just because it's a road game. And it, I don't know why. Every time I look at that Duke game, it just kind of feels a little different than like well mr fundamentals david cutcliffe i mean right. he's waiting to come in and <laughs> never had a player transfer from right. this program when you come in high come in hot he's gonna knock you down i i just feel like there's more reason to believe they could slip up on the road so i i'd maybe move duke up to let's say the seven spot i wouldn't put it ahead of pittsburgh but i probably put it ahead of get ahead of bc i mean they crush bc on the road last year right. so BC, bc at home anthony brown's just not getting it done no i mean he's been there a little bit but <laughs> this is what i said for bc and Pitt. at this point you know what you're getting with steve adazio six or seven wins yeah pat narduzzi same thing six or seven wins maybe less neither of those guys have won more than seven games if i'm not mistaken so i mean that's kind of what yeah. you're getting now here's where i think it gets interesting i've got maryland at five now this is a game that a lot of people are worried about. And I'm not that worried. For me, the only reason that it's even at five is because it's a week before the Clemson game. And it's early in the season. And so in that point, you've got to trust Dino Babers that he's going to have his club ready. But that's a tall task. All the focus is on September 13th. All the focus. The first week, you shouldn't really have any problems regardless of what you're thinking. Right. Second week, you could have some problems if you're looking ahead to Saturday Night Football in the Dome, home opener, and everything else on this campus a week later. That's the only reason. So as long as they can stay focused, I think it'll be a two-touchdown win. I hear you. I mean, I think they win the game, but I'd have it at number three. I mean, I don't I don't see why you have it behind Wake Forest. Wake Forest at home, like if Wake Forest and Maryland played each other at a neutral site, how much would Wake Forest be favored by, you think? I mean, they're pretty much similar. Probably, you know, five points. Right. So then you take away three points kind of for, I mean, I, I guess if, if you're going Here's off that. Here's my thing but, with Wake Forest. That game is going to mean something late in the year. There are going to be bowl implications for both teams. Yeah. And I think Wake could be on the verge of like a camping world bowl. And Syracuse, you're could really be on, high on Wake. Then. Syracuse, I think that's the difference. Syracuse I'm, could be on the verge of an Orange Bowl appearance. Wake Forest to me feels just like BC and Pittsburgh. Like we kind of, I have them. Gonna, a, I have them a step above. So you think they're an eight-win football team? Maybe I think they could be. I think I project them at seven, but they could easily be eight. So I guess the difference with me is I think Wake is probably a seven-win team, and then I also just have to take into consideration the Maryland stuff that it's before Clemson and it's early in the season. I think DeVito's second game is a real thing. That's fair. Before we get out of here, coming up on Fizz Feedback in our final segment, I've got NC State 3, Florida State 2, Clemson 1. Clemson, I agree with that. that's number one. Could you see maybe flipping Florida State and NC State? No. I think Florida State is... I mean, they have way more talent than NC State this year. They've got one of the top wide receivers in the ACC, one of the top running backs. Blackman at quarterback's got a ton of talent. And they're also hungry to prove something after last year. I think they're clearing away a tougher game than NC State right now. Check it out online, orangefizz.net. Let us know what you think. We're talking SU football ranking next year's schedule. Hardest game, Clemson, September 13th, if you haven't heard. Coming up after the break, we'll close up shop with Fizz Feedback, as we always do. 
Thanks for joining us right here on The Score 1260. It's Orange Fizz Radio. Final segment of the show, Fizz Feedback here on The Score 1260, Fizz Radio. Thanks for listening to us 9 to 10 Saturday mornings. If you want to go back and listen to the show, find it on Apple Podcasts. Just search Orange Fizz. That's where we put all of our audio content online, so make sure to follow us there. Give us a rating, too. Let us know how we're doing, what we can improve on, what you like, and everything of that nature. Jonathan Hoppy back with Tim Leonard. Fizz Feedback today on a scale of 1 to 10. 10 being the best, of course. I love how we still have to clarify you got to clarify. Some people do you really? How much I mean, do you like the new football uniforms? 1 to 3, 4 to 6, 7 to 6, 9 to 7 to 8, rather, 9 to 10. 54% say 7 to 8. That's what I voted. Yeah, that's what I voted, too. I'm not, I mean, 9 to 10 is getting Peek some under love. the curtain. We do vote in these polls. Right. 9 to 10 is at 32% here. Pretty strong. I mean, if a Syracuse, if Cuse Athletics saw this poll and said, wow. They'd be satisfied. Yeah, that's, they'd be satisfied. I mean, it's not, you know, this has got a high approval rating right now, these uniforms. And I, I obviously really like them. I said 7 to 8. I think they're great because... They're kind of old school a little bit. I don't know. I forget the exact wording they use. Built on tradition, engineered for the future, something right. like that. Great video they put out. Yeah. It, the, <laughs> the presentation, top to bottom. I mean, Dino walking off the plane. With the bags. It, it, it was a 10 out of 10 if we're going 1 to 10 on presentation and just performance Somebody art. needs to raise. Yeah. I think that they've been doing a great job with all videos of that nature, but that was really cool. And- I've got it seven to eight because I'm not going to say they're the best uniforms in college football right now, but I do think those all white ones are really cool when they have Is it your set favorite? up like that. Yeah. I like the blue tops. Mo Neal tweeted out some photos in the uh, old or in the all white uniforms, and they looked really sweet. I, I don't know why. How about it's the just... stripe on the helmet? Joshy Lawa, who we talked to earlier, says he likes the stripe. Yeah. I mean, look, it, it's kind of like what I was saying. It's. Old school a little bit, but it also has like a new flair to it. They they balance that really well, and let's give them credit. That's a tough thing to balance, honestly. I'd like to see the blue top with the white pants, and I don't know if they'll ever wear that. Yeah, but I just think the blue cool. with the orange is just a little much. I do like it, though. I, I think the blue is an upgrade. When you look at the white and the orange, I don't know about the the white with the orange pants. It just looks like the browns. And I know that's what everybody's saying, but that was my gut reaction. I was on vacation away from the area, and I looked at the uniforms, and I looked at my buddy and said, hey, look, Syracuse looks like the browns now. Yeah, that's what everyone said. I mean, that was just the first thing you think right. of. I didn't really see that, but... I mean, maybe I like all the all whites because I'm colorblind. So maybe yeah, that, that's probably that could do a, a, a good portion of wow, it. Wow, way to just completely ruin your credibility well, for this whole conversation. Well, I think everyone's agreeing the all whites are pretty sweet anyway. But I agree with you because when I see the blue and the orange, I'm like, that's a little much. And I know if that's just because the way I see it or if that's like the general consensus. For some reason, I don't really mind the orange on orange that much. Maybe it's just because it's like. Or leaning into the Syracuse color, like the primary yeah. color. No, they look good. Yeah, but I don't really like when they do blue on or blue and white would look really good. Yeah, but that's also like that doesn't look like Syracuse. So then, what are you wearing point. against Clemson? Oh, because Probably obviously orange. they're orange, but that's kind of you know my thinking is all right. Do you do you fight fire with fire 
and go all orange and say, this is our house, this is our orange? Do you do that? Or do you go with the blue? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I think you got to go with your best uniform because recruits, potential like high school kids are going to be watching that. You want to put out, obviously, That's for, true. for you know reasons that I don't even have to address. You want to put out, out your best product. I'd go, I like the whiteout, man. I'd go whiteout and just say. Whiteout, maybe hand out towels in the dome. <laughs> sure. Just go all in as if they haven't already. Right. I mean, you kind of, you kind of got to be cautious of Clemson being orange too. So maybe they lean white. I, I don't know. I, I think you put out your best uniform though. To me, that's the all white. All right. That's this week's edition of Fizz Radio. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back with you next week on the score 1269 to 10 a.m. every Saturday morning. Until then, check us out, orangefizz.net. We've got articles all week long, and we'll even have some Fizzcast too. And of course, you can find this entire episode, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. Just search Orange Fizz.